The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University. I am Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Got some news and notes to get you caught up on this week as we come to a close on the NFL preseason, continuing to get you ready for the regular season kickoff. So got a few things that we need to dive into there, and then we will give you two teams that each of us are all in on as we head into the regular season, and one team that we are absolutely out on this year. So let me welcome in Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. We have to start with Tom Brady, who did return to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week after an absence due to personal reasons and I, I think that the uh, mass singer thing has been played out at this point, so I'm not going to make any mass singer jokes, but Tom Brady is back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But we did get uh, a- an admittance over the weekend from uh, UFC's Dana White that he was recruiting Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski to come to the Las Vegas Raiders before he joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and eventually won a Super Bowl. But it was blown up at the last minute by John Gruden. So the clip that was circulating from Tom Brady on the shop with LeBron James on HBO was when Tom Brady mentions that there was some teams they were talking to, one in particular, and he couldn't believe that they chose to go with that mother bleeper over him. And so now it appears that that was Derek Carr. Like, I think it's safe to say that we know he was talking about Derek Carr in that particular interview. Would it have been like, so who would it have been? Who could have the quarterback been? Um, for you to be like, wait, what is he talking about? Because it's Tom Brady, and he could have been talking about any team, and we'd have been like, yeah, that probably makes sense. So it, it's it's probably cool that we know it's Derek Carr now, but like, Carr's not a bum. So what are we really doing? Here? Well, is he a, is he a Hall of Famer? Because Devontae Adams, <laughs> right? And he went from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer. So now we got conflicting narratives. Someone's going to be right. Someone's going to be wrong. Is it Devontae or is it Brady? <laughs> This is my favorite. This is my favorite loser leaves town match. Brady versus Devontae. One of them gets to be wrong. It's a win-win for me. I just don't. How does Tom Brady keep winning like this? Like, <laughs> like, he just got his blood spun. I, I mean, two weeks off to get his blood spun. Just imagine how different the narrative would be if he went to Las Vegas instead of going to Tampa Bay and winning another Super Bowl. Because while, you know, Tom Brady wins everywhere he goes and, and he is that guy, like greatest quarterback of all time or whatever, he wouldn't have won a Super Bowl with that Raiders team. That Raiders team did not have near the talent that the Bucks team that he stepped into had. And we would have been talking about the whole Brady-Belichick thing in a much different way, especially after everything that the Raiders have dealt with over the last couple of years and, you know, firing John Gruden, everything that they, they dealt with last year to you know make the playoffs barely. Tom Brady could be dealing with all of that, be totally unhappy trying to get out of, out of Las Vegas. Instead, he's in Tampa Bay basically running the show. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that, like, why do you think he wanted to go to Vegas? Is it just because it's, like, a, a more of a, I guess, like, international hub than, than Tampa was? Because Tampa, from a football perspective, is, was a better option. Right. So we always heard the rumors about him 
going to LA for you know to to play with the Chargers or something. Now we're you know, we've heard the stuff about him going to Miami. It seems like they want to go to like an international hub because his family like can't ignore the fact that his wife is Giselle and it probably isn't helping her career that they're living in Tampa and stuff, right? So I, I don't know if that's that's all I was thinking. He's trying to build his brand, right? Like he's thinking yeah. of post-retirement and thinking uh, how to market himself, which is nothing wrong with that. Like LeBron going to the Lakers, but not necessarily going to the Lakers because it's the Lakers, but because he's in L.A. and he's got right. all these production companies now and, and he's building his brand for you know post-retirement and being in L.A. makes it a lot easier to do that. Tom Brady does have a production company, too, so... That would definitely make sense. It's just crazy that we have the whole Miami Dolphins report that was kind of swept under the rug uh, about Tom Brady colluding to go be the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. And then the Raiders situation now. And either way, nobody really seems to care because it's just like, well, he's Tom Brady. He just keeps winning. He, he's Tom. Like he, he's one of the greatest of all time. And it's like, who else gets away with this? Like, who else gets away with trying to change the league and manipulate the league like this? And we just go, oh, well, it's Tom. He just wins rings. We don't care. You have to win all of your Super Bowls in order to do that. And obviously, he didn't win all the Super Bowls. You have to win um, an ungodly amount of Super Bowls to get away with what Tom Brady has done. And that's the only way it's acceptable. Why is Dana White the point man for this? <laughs> yeah, that also. <laughs> that, that's the one where I'm like, why is Dana White having conversations with Tom Brady and Gronk and, and Gruden? I would imagine I'd have to imagine that he's probably got some ins there in, in Vegas uh, with the. Well, Raiders yeah, I'm sure like, politically he's like an important person <laughs> in Vegas. I just don't understand. Like, he's not the yeah. owner of the team. Why is he manufacturing exactly. Tom Brady and Gronk there? Yeah, yeah, that doesn't make sense. I don't know. I, it's just crazy. It, it's crazy that we continue to get these little nuggets of everything going on behind the scenes of Tom with Tom Brady and Brady. I don't think he's spoken to the media since all of this came out. He will eventually, and he's not going to answer anything. And then we'll just forget about all of it because Tom Brady will just win football games when he gets back on the football field. So that's the way this goes. I, I just think it's absolutely crazy. Um, I, I do want to mention as we get closer and closer to the regular season, um, NFL teams will have to cut their teams down to f the final 53-man rosters early next week. Kyle Shanahan was asked this week about what they would do with Jimmy Garoppolo on cut-down day, and he said that he's not really sure what they're going to do, but any scenario is possible. We've talked about it on this podcast a lot. It seems like it's inevitable that the 49ers are just going to have to release Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, that's that's going to happen unless they have a team. So what we have about a week to go here until teams have to get down to their 53 man roster. So if you're the Giants and, we, you know, we've seen these uh, bunch of reports or I'm just using the Giants as an example. Um, if you're a team who has seen your quarterback practice for a month now and you have seen no signs of improvement, maybe maybe then you reach out to the 49ers but other than that like you're still going to be on the hook for 24 and a half million dollars so it's his his uh his fate is sealed i don't it's not really a surprise um but at the same time we've we've talked about it so much not just us in here but everybody's talked about well he's going to stay on the roster nope that was never going to be an option um he's just on the on the roster because they are holding out hope that somebody somebody comes calling a weird it's august 24th and that somebody has not came calling yet. Probably not going to come calling anytime soon. Um, if the Browns haven't yet, like if, if it's not going to be the Browns, it's not going to be anybody. I think that's the easiest way to put it. Rosters are being set, right? Like as we speak. I know there's still a preseason game to go and there's a couple practices after the preseason game, but Nick Mullen just got traded for, right? <laughs> like Nick Mullen just got traded for. The Packers just traded their OL-10 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, those are the type of moves that are being made right, right. now, not not something like Jimmy Garoppolo. So if they don't want to keep him in the locker room and they don't want to have a whole Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance potential split, whatever that may look like, depending on, like, what Lance plays like early on in the season, then you got to move on from him. And if that means cutting him, that means cutting him. So he doesn't get his injury guarantees or whatever moving forward. Yeah, it's just going to it's going to take 
the 49ers possibly getting lucky and like somebody going down in this final preseason game. But as we're seeing across the league, most teams aren't playing the guys that they think are going to matter come the regular season in these final preseason games. So the likelihood of a team feeling like they need to trade for a veteran like Jimmy Garoppolo uh, this late before a regular season seems pretty unlikely. So I'd have to imagine by next week, Jimmy Garoppolo will be on the open market and free to sign with somebody after he gets released by the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Green Bay Packers wide receiver Sammy Watkins reiterates once again that Aaron Rodgers is on another level when he was asked to compare him to Mahomes. And I don't have a problem with Sammy saying this about Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is on another level compared to most quarterbacks in the NFL. My big question is like Patrick Mahomes, by all accounts, seems like a good teammate. Like a lot of people don't have many negative things to say about Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback and a teammate. And it seems like all of his former wide receivers are just dragging him this offseason. I don't, I don't really get it. Like Sammy Watkins won a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. Tyreek Hill won a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. Why is everybody going out of their way to say that the quarterbacks they play for now are better than Patrick Mahomes? Are they trying to show their new teams that they have their current quarterbacks back? Do they know that the name Patrick Mahomes generates just people talking about it? Otherwise, what are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, that has to be it, right? Like, yeah. you have to – I mean, if you're an agent and your wide receiver signs with the Packers and you hear all the things about, you know, Rodgers just puts you in a doghouse and stuff like that sometimes and trust is a big thing for him. Like, wouldn't you be telling your client, like, dog, Brown knows Rodgers at every opportunity that you get. Like, Watkins is playing with Rodgers. What, what did we expect? We just talked about how Devontae Adams said that going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr was going from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, right? Like, this is just what happens when guys move teams. I'm not surprised, especially when Watkins is fighting for, like, maybe the number one, like, outside wide receiver job in Green Bay. Like, depending on how that breaks with him, Christian Watson, who's been hurt, Romeo Dobbs, who's had a little bit of an up-and-down preseason, certainly had – you know, a ton of highlight catches, but also some drops. Like, what else is Watkins supposed to say? Like, uh, Mahomes was better at this, this, and this, but Rodgers is better at this, this, and this. I don't know if that would have flown in the same uh, way. I do think it makes more sense for Sammy, especially the track record with Rodgers where it's like, you know, sometimes he struggles with these relationships with his pass catchers and his teammates and, and things like that. So it's smart of Sammy to say, like, I love Aaron. Aaron's my guy. Let me let me get the football. I'm trying to bounce back and see if I can get another good deal somewhere. But the thing with Tyreek Hill and, and Tua is just I feel like Tyreek is just pissed off at the Chiefs. Oh, man. And so it, it's just him. He's just firing shots everywhere. It, it doesn't really matter who it is. But for some reason, they keep being directed at Pat is if he had anything to do with uh, the way that that relationship ended. Um, and then, you know, new Dolphins head coach, Mike McDaniel, the uh, clip from the Dan Levitard show this week, talking about Tua and his left-handed the throwing. accurate catchable ball I've ever seen. I have like cut that video. It's on my phone. I will be abusing that <laughs> video throughout the season because we've seen preseason snap or like, camp snaps of Tua throwing a ball 20 yards downfield and it's off by 10 yards on his pass catchers that's crazy sometimes underthrown. like sometimes it goes straight up and straight down and his receiver is like 15 yards beyond it we have the internet we can see what's going on I I love the if you guys haven't seen this you guys gotta you guys gotta find it just google like Tua Mike McDaniel uh Levitard show I'm sure you can find it somewhere on the internet yeah but man, when when they the Levitard asks Mike McDaniel after he says, you know, Tua has the most accurate catchable ball he's ever seen, Levitard asks him like the most accurate catchable ball you've ever seen. There's like a 10 second pause. It's a very pregnant pause. That thing is ready to come out. And Mike <laughs> McDaniel's just like, mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, like, okay, you know you're lying. There's no yeah, way. I guess so. Yeah, it, it's like him having to suck air in. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He knows he's going viral in that moment, but he has to double down on his quarterback. Like, they are not managing expectations at all in Miami. If you hear the things that they're talking about in Miami, it sounds like they're going, like, two is going to win MVP. 
Tyreek is going to win Offensive Player of the Year, and they're going to a Super Bowl. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, you know, for a team that's been as irrelevant as they have for so long, like, I understand the hype there, but I just don't understand why we have to keep doing this for Tua, unless they're just really, really scared that they've ruined his confidence level and so they're like we got we gotta make sure we prop him up everywhere like like it's like it's almost like a pr strategy for handling their starting court yeah that's what it it really feels like someone gave him talking points and it's like just talking about his accuracy every single person in the organization just talk about his accuracy every single day and now they're they're down a first round pick now because of the Brady tampering stuff. So it's not going to be easy to move on from Tua or trade for a quarterback who isn't Tua next offseason. So they've really like they've made their they've made their bed. Yeah. It's insane. I I don't really understand, but we'll see here in a couple of weeks what the Miami Dolphins look like in week 1 of the regular season. Uh next item's not really a news note or or anything. I just wanted to talk to you guys about it because it was absolutely insane. Uh yeah, the Buffalo Bills absolutely crushed in their second preseason game, and Josh got, Allen got in the game and just had an absolutely filthy touchdown pass to Gabe Davis. It was, you know, he did the 360 in the pocket for no reason other than to, I think, dress up the rocket <laughs> that he absolutely threw to Gabe Davis. I just, we've talked about the Bills so much on this podcast this offseason, and I think that was just a small glimpse of like what to expect from them this season. I just think they're going to be overwhelming all all year this season. I, I just think they are the hands down the best team in football. I mean, if if he's going to have time to do pirouettes and handstands in the pocket, then yes, they are going to be tough. I mean, we we've talked about this uh, quite a bit here. They, their roster, they're stacked. Allen's going to continue to get better. Um, Steph Diggs, who I don't want to call him underrated, but for whatever reason, people ignore. When they're talking about the top wide receivers, they ignore what Diggs means to that offense, um, especially if you know they're getting the type of production from Gabe Davis that we expect. You know, he takes the next step now with Cole Beasley out of the picture. They're going to be tough to slow down, man. We're we're probably looking at you know 28, 30 points a game here, and that's not a hyperbole at all. That's just what their expectation probably will be. I have a question for you guys. You guys buy the Gabe Davis hype? I think it'll play off of Josh Allen more than anything. So yes. no, but think about like their weapons and the space that'll be that'll happen. Just like on that touchdown, he's running across the field. Josh Allen throws across the field after like four and a half seconds, and he gets like a thirty-yard touchdown because of that. That's probably nothing to do with Davis and everything to do with the situation that he's in. Yeah, I, I think that he is going to be a product of the system and their offense, which was already really good last season, I think is going to be better when, you know, we saw Dawson Knox take huge steps last year. And I think he's going to be really good this season. We know who Diggs is. He's a superstar wide receiver. And I just think that Gabe Davis, if he can be any more consistent than what they got in Emmanuel Sanders last season, like the offense is just going to be better. And, and I really like James Cook, too. We've talked about him. So right. I, I just think that as a whole, the offense is going to be absurd and it's just going to make everybody look really good. But I, I don't think that I believe that, you know, like the Gabe Davis truthers out there that are saying like, oh, Gabe Davis is the number one wide receiver over Diggs. Like, I'm not no. willing to go that far. <laughs> no, no, no. My, my whole thing is I didn't realize I was just looking at uh, Stefan Diggs's like game logs the other day. He only had two 100 yard games last season and the fact that like you're gonna have a guy like like uh like davis step up for a quarterback like josh allen like who else is he really gonna throw to in that wide receiver unit so if they're gonna try to keep taking away stefan Diggs like they seemingly have been trying to do to the uh to the bills offense then that should open up a lot for davis so i kind of get it i don't think he's gonna have that postseason performance every week but it does seem like Gabe Davis might have higher highs from like a production standpoint than Stephon Diggs has maybe. Well, this all started when he had 200 yards and four touchdowns in a playoff game. Right, so. right. <laughs> they do have Jamison Crowder and uh, the rookie Khalil Shakir, who I think is going to have an opportunity to be good, but he's probably like the sixth wide receiver on the depth chart at this point for the Bills. Um, 
JC Jackson, Chargers cornerback, uh, out two to four weeks after having surgery on his ankle. Uh, that's a bummer for the Chargers. Obviously, he was one of the most coveted free agents on the market. Sucks that he's going to miss the start of the regular season, but I, I still think the Chargers are going to be one of the best teams in the NFL and a contender in the AFC. Just hope that JC Jackson winds up getting back and healthy for them. Yeah, I saw a photo it, of him in a booth or a boot. That that's a tough one. I mean, bringing him in, he was supposed to be one of the guys that completely changes their secondary and allows Brandon Staley to do the things that Brandon Staley wants to do, right? So maybe it's a tough start out of the gate. Um, hopefully, you know, there's enough margin of error for that Chargers team with enough talent around them to get it done because the AFC West isn't really a, a division where you can afford to, to miss out on like three weeks of good cornerback play. You know, that's just going to put more pressure on everybody else to perform. And um, whether it's the pass rush, whether it's their backup cornerbacks to step up, whether it's Justin Herbert to score more points. And that's probably the last thing you want early on in the season is to feel like you have to press. Uh, last thing before we get into uh, our favorite teams and our least favorite team, rookie quarterbacks, Desmond Ritter and Kenny Pickett continue to impress in the preseason. Um, Desmond Ritter, I'm not hyping myself up too much about because I think that Marcus Mariota has looked pretty good in the preseason so far for the Atlanta Falcons. And I don't think that uh, Desmond Ritter is going to challenge for the job, at least not early in the season. But Mike Tomlin's being kind of weird uh, about the Steelers' number one quarterback situation now. He has not officially said Mitch Trubisky is going to be their week one starter. And when he spoke to the media this week, he kind of left the door open for Kenny Pickett to possibly get that week one starting role. And at this point, I don't think the Steelers really have anything to lose necessarily based on what you've seen from him in the preseason. But it's also the preseason. Like we understand that the regular season is going to be a, a much different game than what Kenny Pickett has gone up against so far. But he has been fantastic in his first two showings. Yeah, I think. Just bringing up the fact that it's preseason, like it sounds great right now until you see actual exotic looks on defense, until you make that one mistake. And now Kenny Pickett's confidence is shot a month into the season of his rookie year. And then what do you do? You can't pull him from there. So um, I I'm not sure if the juice is worth the squeeze in Pittsburgh, at least because they do have a lot of talent on the roster. Now, Atlanta, <laughs> whole different topic there. Marcus, you better start sliding if you want to hang on to that job. Let's say that. I'm excited about Atlanta's quarterbacks. That That's like my old takes. Like that whole room in Atlanta is my old takes exposed nightmare. Just me buying the Marcus Mariota hype. Me saying Desmond Ritter's QB1 in this last draft, last draft class. I'm happy they're looking good in the preseason. I hope they stay healthy and they, they can – manage behind that terrible offensive line in the regular season. I don't have high expectations for Atlanta, but it seems like their quarterback path is kind of at least, you know, on the right track. You look at, you know, what some of the other decisions other teams have made, not just this past offseason, but since, um, you know, two years, right, since Atlanta changed uh, over kind of their administration. And you look at, like, man, when you lost Matt Ryan – Right when Matt Ryan gets so pissed that you considered Deshaun Watson over him, that he asked for a trade, and you basically have to trade him for pennies on the dollar. This could have spun out into something that was much, much, much darker than what you know Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter have, have done this preseason. Yeah, I don't think that the Steelers should start Kenny Pickett week one. Um, Mitch yeah. Trubisky hasn't been terrible in the preseason, it's just that Kenny Pickett keeps. <laughs> He just keeps playing like totally out of his mind, which isn't going to continue into the regular season. So and the early reports that like he looked bad in training camp and he, he just was clearly behind Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. You know, some guys do get better when the lights come on, when you get put on the big stage. But I don't think you can rely on that. with Kenny Pickett, based on what you've seen in the preseason? So I think we should slow down a little bit on him. And I agree with you. It's just nice to see. uh Desmond Ritter looking good because I think Atlanta is going to be in a total rebuild mode. And I've always been a, a bigger Marcus Mariota fan than a lot of other people. So I'd like to see Marcus Mariota actually find a little bit of success here in the NFL and, and see if he can hold on to a starting job for a little bit. But 
Let's take a quick time out here. And when we get back, we will dive into our favorite teams in the upcoming season and the team that we are absolutely out on, have absolutely no, no faith in. That's coming up next on NFL University. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. So we're each going to pick two teams that we are all in on this season, two teams, legitimate contenders that we think can challenge for a conference title, Super Bowl, something like that, and then one team that we are absolutely out on this season. I will start with you, Justice. Who is your number one team? If we're talking about titles, I think the Chargers are up there because I think you look at the high-end talent, and they're as talented as anyone in the league. I think you look at the AFC, um, the Bills are right up up there with them. I think the Chargers' biggest obstacle is obviously going to be just playing against the AFC West for six games when your easiest divisional game is going to end up being like Russell Wilson especially like in, in Denver, one of those games, that's going to be tough. But you just look at all the high-end talent, the Derwin James, Justin Herbert, um, young left tackle. You get Keenan Allen. You get Mike Williams. Austin Eckler is going to be able to do stuff out of the backfield. Joey Bosa's rushing the passer. J.C. Jackson when he's healthy. That's just so much talent that I think the Chargers are going to be legitimately able to, to kind of push their way into that conversation. How does that talent deal with adversity? Because eventually, I don't. <laughs> I, I, yeah. they didn't deal with it well last year because they right. they That's... just didn't have a good defensive tackle unit, and it was just like you could just run the ball on them if you want. That's why I'm not bullish on you know everybody's favorite offseason team every year, but I just man, something so, something is off, and obviously it has nothing to do with J.C. Jackson being injured. You would. You'd hope that he's healthy. You know, it's when the it logo. It's the, you, you're burned um, by the logo. I say this every <laughs> offseason, though. I'm like, you guys, it can't keep happening. And then it just it just keeps happening. The Chargers regular season schedule, at least to start the year, you know, assuming that J.C. Jackson, let's say, just misses the first two games. You know, that's the Raiders and the Chiefs. Not a great start to the season. If we buy no. it, the Raiders are going to be totally improved. But then after that, it's. Jacksonville, Houston, the Browns without Deshaun Watson. And so their first five games aren't brutal. Like we've talked about the Kansas City Chiefs first seven games and they're it's an absolute gauntlet. Like it's not terrible for the Chargers. And I, I do think that they're going to be really good. I picked them to win the division. So I, I think that they are going to be really good. But I agree with you, KP. It's we kind of saw them go through some adversity last year and it didn't go very well. And they're the chargers. And just based on the history of you know, Philip rivers, having to lead a, a fourth quarter comeback with under two minutes, because they're just the chargers. Like there, there is something to that still, like they haven't totally buried that narrative about them. So I totally understand uh, being a little bit apprehensive to be all in on the chargers, but uh, who's your number one team that you were selecting for this season? For me, it's the Ravens. Um, there, there, there's a lot to like here. So last year, most injured team. Uh, we all know them as a running team. Uh, so last year, knowing them as a running team, missed most of their offensive line. They went from having the highest run rate in 2020 at 57% to one of the highest run rates last year at 57%. So that's not who they are. Mind you, uh, this is all without like a semblance of wide receiver outside of a rookie Rashad Bateman, who you should probably not be relying on um, in your passing game. So we have that. Um, I I just think that you know from the way that they're structured on offense, and this this is before um, well, who's that likely uh, the tight end that went off in the preseason. This is before this. I'm not <laughs> I'm not falling for them because they had a a decent preseason showing. Uh, I just think everything. 
not everything's going to be right. I think that the way that they were set up last year, just everybody's worried about that. And that's just not who they are. This year they have the second easiest schedule, fourth easiest schedule against the run. So they're going to get back to what they do. Uh, they added Tyler Linderbaum, obviously, because they know they need to improve against um, improve against the run or improve as a running team. And despite all their injuries last year, like they were still in a position to win heading into December without Lamar Jackson. What else are we doing here this year? Uh, they add, so last year heading into December, they started Anthony Everett, Chuck Clark, Brandon Stevens, banged up Marlon Humphrey, Tavon Young. This year they're going to have Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams, Kyle Fuller, and they get back Marcus Peters, who did not play one snap for them last year, as well as Marlon Humphrey, who you imagine will be better. Um, so add in the second easiest schedule, the fourth easiest run defense to run against. Uh, they're going to, and then the quarterback schedule that they're going to go against. If you just run down the list, and that includes uh, missing Deshaun Watson twice with the Browns, I'm all in on the Ravens. I would not be surprised if they make a deep run into the playoffs. I just think, again, that the way that they're set up, the way they can come at you on defense, that they have guys who can actually guard in the secondary now. And oh, we won't see the Bengals have 50 points <laughs> like they did last year when they play the Ravens. I like this team a lot, man. I think uh, uh, while we're focusing on Lamar and his contract situation, I think that's just going to be an afterthought once we get to November and the Ravens are like 6-3, uh, and 8-3 and three or whatever. Is Isaiah likely their third best pass catcher, though? It's <laughs> a good question, man. I don't. They get so that's the thing. Like you're, you're. We're focused on uh, who they're going to throw the ball to, but they get like J.K. Dobbins back. That's a big deal. It might not seem like it, but like he's a game changer. And we talked about that a little bit last week. So if they're going to line up and just bully people in these twelve personnel out of shotgun, and then be able to throw the ball to guys like Andrews and Likely, um, and then with the speed that they're going to have on the outside. I like I like what they're going to do quite a bit. And, and again, that's without talking about the potential edge rushers taking the next step in uh, uh, Owe and uh, David Ajaba, whatever they get out of him. Are we worried at all that Ronnie Stanley has been on IR? Back-to-back seasons, played one game last year, played six games two years ago, and he's still on the PUP. He still hasn't practiced this offseason. I feel like the combo of like left tackle uncertainty – and then wide receiver is the only thing that makes me like hesitate to pull the trigger on Baltimore. I'm not really worried about wide receiver as, you know, silly as that may sound. And then, you know, if you look around the AFC, everybody has like a wide receiver one and some of them have wide receiver ones and twos. But in this case, I think that they can scheme around that. I think that they're going to be ahead of the chain so much that it really doesn't matter, but there's no doubt uh, Stanley is concerned. And like, if Stanley stays healthy, I would bet a futures ticket on these guys coming out of the AFC. Like, I, I am that bullish on this Ooh. team. Yep, I think that they are really, really good, man. Um, but, again, there are, that question mark does matter. And we're talking about one player, and if he does make that big of a difference, maybe you aren't as good as we think. But um, I think the pros far outweigh the cons for this team. Uh, and – Isaiah Likely, while he's been incredible this preseason, like that is kind of like tongue in cheek, like him being their third best pass catcher. It's, I, I, I do agree with you. Like, I think their defense is going to be so good this season. Like, we're, we're used to the Ravens having these tough playmaking defenses, and they were just absolutely dismantled by injury last year. So, I think they're going to have a huge bounce back. And I think as long as you get a healthy Lamar, like we saw the level that he was playing at last season before he got injured. And he was doing it with a, a lot of subpar talent because they had so many injuries on that side of the ball. Like, I don't think the Ronnie Stanley situation worries me so much because I think I have so much confidence in Lamar Jackson. And you know, the pass catchers, yes, you would like for them to be deeper there, but I, I think they're with getting Dobbins back and Gus Edwards is going to be out for the first four games because they did place him on the pup a couple of days ago. So they're not going to have him, but they've got the veteran Mike Davis. They've got some depth there at the running back position. And if Dobbins is healthy, I think he is going to be a huge playmaker for them. And I think they'll funnel a lot of that passing game to just Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews. Cause you know, those guys are going to be able to make plays. So I, I'm with you. I, I really, really like the Ravens. I, I think they're easily my favorite team to win the AFC North, e- even in what I think is going to be a really tough division. So I absolutely love the Baltimore Ravens. My top team that I'm selecting is 
the San Francisco 49ers. And I was a little worried about this pick because I know the Niners just placed a bunch of guys in their secondary. Um, a bunch of guys in their secondary are injured right now. I know the interior of their offensive line is not great, and, and that worries you a little bit. And then, you know, the Trey Lance, Jimmy G thing. We know Jimmy G's not going to be there. They're handing this thing over to Trey Lance, and they got to figure out what they got in that guy that they traded all this draft capital for last season. But the reason I'm a little bit more confident in the Niners, and I think some other people are, is because of the state of the NFC West, where over the last several years, you look at the NFC West and say, like, that was hands down the toughest division in football. These teams just beat up on each other each and every year. And when I look at the way those other teams are constructed right now, I feel like I've got the most faith in San Francisco just in the cornerstone talent that they have because they do have stars on both sides of the ball. Like they have players that you can definitively say like those guys are star caliber players who are playmakers week in week out. Then they've got, you know, Kyle Shanahan and the things that I'm excited to see them do this season with Trey Lance. I'm just feeling more and more confident about them when we know Seattle's going to be bad. I think Arizona is not going to be very good. They are primed to take a step back. Uh, based on what they did last season. I think last season was kind of the the ceiling of what we saw with Kyler and Cliff in the makeup of that current Cardinals roster. And then I've got my questions about the Rams and their offensive line situation and Matthew Stafford's elbow. I just feel pretty confident in the San Francisco 49ers, even though I understand some of the red flags that are maybe having people question them a little bit headed into the season. Yeah, I mean, one of the big red flags is what happens with right tackle Mike McGlinchey. So Kyle Shannon said they're not too worried about it and he will play week one. He also said they had to shut him down and they're going to try to ramp him up next week to see how the pain tolerance works. That does not sound like something you'd be optimistic about. And if that's true, we're talking about four, we're talking about Trent Williams at left tackle and everybody to the right of him, all brand new, all while working or all while breaking in a first year starting quarterback team is loaded at the skill position team has a fantastic defense but uh four question marks at offensive line that's going to be the difference in your season i imagine yeah i got nothing to add the offensive line is where i'm keeping my eyes early on in the season you know week to week because that's really going to be the the tail of the tape i think because if they're getting beat up and you end up like yeah aaron donald you could have a matchup with Aaron Donald against anyone, right, on the interior, and he's going to win, then that's going to be a big, 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 big problem. Justice, your second team that you are the most confident in heading into the season. This is a long shot, but hear me out. The Detroit Lions. I really do think I really do think they can get the 6-7 seed. I do think that, like, you get them in the right matchup in the wild card round, they can upset someone. Um, they're going to have speed up receiver, right, Chark. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, at some point, you're going to end up getting back uh, Jamison Williams at running back. You got DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, TJ Hawkinson at tight end. Oh, and their offensive line is like going to be one of the best in the league. Their only weak spot really is like Baitai at right guard, but he's in between Frank Ragnow, who might be the best center in football, and Panay Sewell, who I think pretty soon is going to be one of the best right tackles in football, if he's not already. Defensively, I think they're just going to get better across the board, right? Um, getting back Jeff Okuda, getting Aiden Hutchinson, even though Charles Harris is, is starting opposite of him. Like, those are going to be pretty big jumps for the Lions defense. I don't really buy the Vikings. I think that the Bears are going to be terrible, right? They kept it close with the Packers in, in, in both of the games that they had. Uh, they beat the Packers, like, in the first half when their starters were in, in – uh week 18 and in week two you know the Packers they they had the Packers number for about a half this team is going to get better and I get that like Jared Goff is under center Jared Goff is taking a team to a Super Bowl before when they've been loaded with talent I, I don't know hello before you speak Jesus look I'm saying look I I really do believe, like the Lions their competition and the NFC is what like the Eagles the Cardinals the Saints you can't tell me definitively any of those teams are going to be significantly better than the Lions. Maybe the Eagles. So you're hoping you get something out of TJ Hawkinson. You're yes. hoping that DeAndre Swift takes the next step because he is very talented. Um, he has to stay healthy. 
you're hoping that your fourth round pick last year, Amon St. Brown, continues to grow. And then by the time, you know, Jameson Williams gets back, he's everything you hoped he would be. So there's a lot of hope involved in a lot of that. There's no real sure things. That is terrifying. I actually don't disagree on Jared Goff. He's so easy to be a punching bag, but he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. There are teams that we could talk about who I imagine would love to have Goff. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, he has to be good. He has to be good right away for them, for this pipe dream of yours to come true. A hundred percent. He has to play like the top three overall pick. And from there, you're just hoping that you can generate, you know, turnovers here and there. Um, a lot of hope, man. A lot of hope in what I just said. And that's why There's I a lot of hope out. with any of these teams at the end of the NFC race, though. And I think if you get into the playoffs and you get into a matchup where it's like it, it, the Lions can just out-physical a team in a one-out-of-one one sample size, I feel like they the Lions can make some noise. I feel like the Lions can make some noise, guys. How much of this has been born from Hard Knocks? This was pre-Hard Knocks, but Hard Knocks has been helping. Didn't hurt. Hard Knocks, <laughs> Hard Knocks has been helping, definitely. You, you uh, see Deuce I, Staley and uh, Aaron Glenn get into it, Nip. Yep, that's my yep. squad right I there, was like, baby. Damn, they must love playing for these guys. Hey, I, I, I'm with you. Go bold. Um, I think the Lions are really exciting and they're really intriguing. I understand why Lions fans are a little cautious about buying into it. But, yeah, I think there's no doubt in my mind they're going to be better. Like, that's really all you want to see from them. And if they can make noise, I think the NFL is going to be more fun if the Lions are making noise. But uh, we'll we'll see how it goes for them this season. KP, your number two team. Uh, Close second to the Ravens are the Colts. And when you go from... Carson Wentz, quarterback, not very accurate. Matt Ryan, quarterback, uber accurate. Your your offense is going to be better. You're going to be consistent. You're going to play on time in the structure of the offense. Think about, like, even when you you saw flashes of Carson Wentz last year, like, it never really felt sustainable. You hear Michael Pittman, for example, he came out the other day. And he said, like, I've never dealt with getting my head around in the ball being where it's supposed to be, which sounds so simple. <laughs> but that's what he's gone through in his career, man. And we know uh, the talent on the defense. And I, I actually thought, even with wins last year, that this team was very good, was in a position to um, make some noise in the playoffs. So I think it's as simple as replacing one of the least accurate quarterbacks in the NFL from an accuracy standpoint and going from him. Hopefully they get something from Alec Pierce. You know, you, you would like Paris Campbell to stay healthy, but that's we have evidence every year of that not happening. Um, so they have a young trio wide receiver, and it's probably again, it's not always great to rely on young guys at the skill positions, but when you have a, a wide re- or sorry, a quarterback like Matt Ryan, that's going to take so much pressure on essentially the entire offense. Jonathan Taylor, uh, Naheem Hines, obviously their offensive line with Quinn, Will- uh, Quinn Nelson. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you're just eliminate. You're trying to eliminate big plays. And if Steph Gilmore stays healthy, like these guys are going to be shooing to make the playoffs. And I, I'm not going to say they're going to be better than the Bills or the Chiefs, but they're they're going to be very good. And I, I would be surprised if this team doesn't make the playoffs, especially with uh, the addition of Yannick. I mean, they're playing the AFC South too, which like yeah, might help them if if that game's in Indianapolis. That that'll help them. Right. So I, I think that's the big thing. I mean, I don't the think the playoff game expects, you mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I don't think anyone expects Houston or Jacksonville to be in contention at all for, for you know, kind of like uh, hosting a home playoff game. Tennessee, maybe, but I, I just think Tennessee is kind of spiraling at this point. I know they finished technically with the best record in the AFC last year, but just don't really see it. Don't really see it. And I think what I really like about the Colts and it is Matt Ryan, but it's they've got so much size on the offensive side of the ball. It's just filthy, like rookie tight end Jelani Woods and tight end Mo Ali Cox, like the size of just those two gargantuan tight ends being able to trot those guys out there. And then you have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield and then Michael Pittman is a huge bodied wide receiver and 
know, we'll see what they get out of the rookie Alec Pierce. But like we've seen what Matt Ryan could do with Julio Jones. And like I'm getting like Julio Michael Pittman vibes here. Like when it comes yeah. to Matt Ryan. It's like I, I'm excited about the Colts too. I, I think that the the demise of Matt Ryan, I think, was way oversold this offseason. Like, yes, he's probably taken a step back. Yes, he's not the same quarterback that he used to be. But Matt Ryan at this stage of his career is still better than a lot of other quarterbacks in the NFL. And when you give him an often an offensive minded head coach like Frank Reich, I'm actually really excited to see what the Indianapolis Colts can do this season. Yeah, he's 37. Of course he's taking a step back. Like people <laughs> yeah. always talk about it. Like, what did you expect? Um, I'm glad you brought up the tight ends, though. I think they will make a difference and help them in the red zone quite a bit. Yeah, I'm excited to see this Colts team. I I do think that they are going to be really good this season. My pick, and I think it's going to be taken as probably bias, uh, but it's the Kansas City Chiefs. And it probably is bias in some ways because obviously this is the team that I spend the most time covering. This is the team that I spend the most time paying attention to throughout the offseason, all throughout training camp and preseason. I am locked into them in a way that I am not other football teams. But what I'm getting confident about, and I was talking about it a little bit before we actually saw this first team offense in action and this Chiefs defense in action here in the preseason, is that I was excited heading into this season to get a rejuvenated Andy Reed because I felt like Andy was just kind of getting complacent with Patrick Mahomes and Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey over the last couple of years where there was too much confidence in, okay, if the play doesn't work, just break the pocket and get open and paddle, make something happen. Cause he's Pat and we've survived on that for a couple of years now. And it's easy and it's exciting to watch and it's cool. And, Patrick Mahomes does cool things with his arm. And this season, I I am confident that we're going to get a a good Andy Reid this season where I do think there is going to be a little bit of back to the basics kind of stuff with their offense this season where we see a lot more kind of Alex Smith calls where we see a lot more design screens. We see a lot more design stuff from Andy Reid. And I think all that stuff is going to be really good for Patrick Mahomes and through three drives in the preseason so far, Patrick Mahomes has been pretty fantastic. And I know it's the preseason. I know it's only three drives, but three touchdown drives and doing it in different ways so far has just gotten me really hyped for Patrick Mahomes. And I think that Patrick Mahomes, we joked around earlier about Sammy Watkins and Tyree Kill and all this stuff. I think Patrick Mahomes is kind of taking offense to some of that stuff. And we might see him make another run at an MVP this year. I'm really talking myself into it, at least. <laughs> it sounded like you were as you were going along there. But all those are fair points, honestly. Um, you guys know there's going to be a narrative if the Chiefs start out like 7-1. and one. Uh, Is Tyree Kill overrated? <laughs> Completely ignoring context because that's what we do on the internet. I don't disagree at all, man. I think the Chiefs are better on both sides of the ball. Uh, They added pieces, obviously. Again, I think their safety play is going to be much improved, which is going to lead to allowing fewer explosive plays. That's how you get off the field and get your offense back onto the field. We have seen MVS with the case of the dropsies already, so that's going to be a little frustrating, I imagine, for Mahomes. But they, they are so talented, him specifically, that I imagine they'll be able to overcome those. I like where the offense – I like how the offense looks. I like how they're using MBS. Um, I like where they're lining up Sky Moore. And I guess I'll turn the floor over back to you because uh, uh, Joey Fortson, apparently the best tight end of all time. <laughs> What's going on here, man? Uh, Jody's going to be a baller. Um, <laughs> Jody's not going to – you know, take snaps away from Travis Kelsey. He's not going to take any volume away from Travis Kelsey, but we got a tiny sliver of it last year, early on in the season, the way that they wanted to utilize a tight end like Jody Fortson in the red zone. And we've seen them do it in the past during the Alex Smith days with uh, Demetrius Harris, who was just another like huge athletic tight end who wasn't necessarily an every down guy, but he was a guy that you just put in in the end zone and he's just taller than everybody and you just throw it up and give him a chance to go get it. That's going to be Jody Fortson this season. I think he's going to be a legitimate red zone weapon for them. He had two touchdowns in their last preseason game. I don't think it's crazy to say that Jody Fortson's going to have like eight to ten touchdowns this season for this Chiefs offense. Ten? Ten? Ten is what I think that's his. I think that's that's his whole job in the offense is just catch touchdowns. That's his whole job this season. Didn't isn't 
so just based on the last preseason game, essentially that's when he comes in the game, right? Is when they get inside. Yeah. Yeah. They like using him in the red zone. He's 6'6, 250, 260 pounds. He's just a huge dude. 10 is a lot. 10 is is a lot, is all I have. Maybe the one, the one guy we didn't mention, George Karloftis. He's been looking really good this summer. And I'm really excited about him. He was a guy that, that was weird. I mean, the whole pre draft process, like in season, we were talking about George Karloftis as a, top 10 pick right like a guy who can maybe go into the top five might be ed rusher number two behind a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau and then you know we see the the surge of Aiden Hutchinson moving up boards and then people just think Carloftis is no good anymore and now he gets drafted end of first round by the Kansas City Chiefs oh all of a sudden he's great again doesn't make any sense to me how he fell so far in the draft but I'm, I'm happy he found a good home He's looked really good so far in the preseason too. So yes, I'm he glad should be, he should George be a Packer. But for those <laughs> that have not about. seen him play, he looked really good at Purdue too. Every year he yeah. played for three so this years, is not a surprise. <laughs> yes, it wasn't like last year. Uh, well, he came out of nowhere. He's been good every freaking year. This is not a surprise. This is a shame on the NFL for letting him drop. And the Chiefs, I would say, they got lucky here, honestly. <laughs> When and the chief, the Chiefs traded up to draft a different player, and Karloff just still right. filled at the end of the first round. Uh, so yeah, he he's looked really really good. But we each have one more team to run through that we are absolutely out on this season. So Justice, what team are you totally selling ahead of the season? The Los Angeles Rams, and this one's pretty short and sweet. Matthew Stafford isn't fully healthy yet. That's a massive red flag. This is a team that completely changed how their offense was structured last year's Rams. If you would have said going into it, like blindly saying like, yeah, this is a McVay offense. You wouldn't have guessed that because they were really like a progression passing team from the gun. Andrew Whitworth isn't out there at left tackle anymore. You're not going to get the explosive plays from OBJ. You know, you maybe, you know, Alan, uh, Alan Robinson can, can replace some of those snaps, some of the Robert Wood snaps, but I don't think you're going to get the explosive, like, you know, yards after catch type of stuff that, like, OBJ was able to do. The team offensively, like, their big addition was, like, Logan Bruss on, on the offensive line through the draft. The third-round pick that had – I think it was, like, the director of college scouting jumped in a pool because he didn't think that Logan Bruss was going to be there in the third round. Um, he's on injured reserve now. So, like, your big addition, you know, for the rookies is out. Hopefully you can tread water with the Allen Robinson addition, the OBJ and uh, Robert Woods exit. But then even at, at that, your left tackle is gone and your quarterback is hurt. Where, where are you supposed to go from there? I understand this team has a lot of talent, but until I see Stafford be able to hold up for you know the first half of the season, I'm not going to be sold that he can do it. So you bring up a lot of talent. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, that's yeah. what he does. Aaron Donald best at what he does like when Stafford's healthy he's one of the best but and yes. same with Coop okay there's a handful of guys but after that like the drop off on the roster everywhere else it's like it stars wow. and scrubs and man Andrew Woodworth was huge for them and yeah. like to have a do a new left tackle so essentially their offseason consisted of we're gonna bring in Allen Robinson and <laughs> And And we're going to draft Logan Bruss and we're going to dive into a pool for it. And then he got, so they ran back their Super Bowl team minus left tackle minus a couple key role players. Just we've seen this time and time again, where you, you just can't do that. So it seems like to me, what they did last year was like vindication for like the few years before. And now I, who knows what that, what's going to happen, but I, I agree with you. I, what would you say? Under uh, 10 wins? If 11 wins? Healthy, that... I, want, I want to see Stafford throw. <laughs> I want to know yeah. what he looks like because he, he's That's been dealing with this injury since, what, March? I guess like last mm-hmm. season, but they, they said that, you know, mm-hmm. he had his procedure or whatever in March, and he still wasn't throwing mm-hmm. fully through August. So, dude, I, I, I've, I've seen this story before. It involved a Joe Flacco who wasn't ready to go. It involved an Andrew Luck who didn't play two entire NFL seasons, right? Like, when guys cannot throw in August, that's always a red flag. And I know it's like you can't – because it's an unknown, you can't, like, bank on it. 
But the fact that the team isn't like fully able to like practice with a guy should be like the national headline right now. I, I, after I guess like Brady just not showing up to camp. I see like who is more influential. Think about like all the guys we talk about in the preseason stuff and in the summer. How many players are more influential to their their team than Matthew Stafford? The list Before is small. He did compared to golf, yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah, the list is very small. Like I don't, we should be. 24 7 365 Stafford watch I feel like <laughs> yeah I agree um I don't think enough has been made about that I, I think everybody just assumes like oh he'll be totally fine like I go back to like the Ben Roethlisberger elbow injury I know it's not exactly yeah. the same thing but like you saw Ben pre that and he was already starting to decline but when he came back he couldn't throw the football anymore like, that's what led to him retiring. And, you know, he probably should have retired sooner because we got two years of him not being able to throw the football <laughs> because he refused to talk Wasn't retire. Palmer like that, too, if I remember right? Palmer had something with his right arm right after the Cardinals looked like they were going nuclear, right? Like, yeah. that offense was crazy. And they ended up, what, it was, they, they lost to the Panthers when the Panthers went to the Super Bowl that year. And then Palmer's arm just never looked right after that. I think yeah, it's a pretty – They were right around the same age too, I think. Yeah. So yeah. I'm saying, man, like it's just – I would not bank on the Rams for anything until I can see what Stafford can do. I want to see what it looks like in the game. Yeah. It's to win the division plus 150, justice confirmed. That's why, that's why I chose the 49ers because I am worried about the Rams. I, I'm worried about them not having Andrew Whitworth too. I, I think that's another thing that – has been way undersold this offseason. We haven't talked about their backs either. I, I don't know what, what their backfield is going to be. <laughs> like, I actually meant to bring that up because we saw what Cam Akers looked like last year. I know he's coming off uh, six uh, – it was only six months in between the injury. But who's to say he's going to regain that explosiveness? We know what Darrell Henderson is. Not that guy, pal. And they keep drafting running backs over and over in the second and third round. So they brought in Kyrene uh, Williams from Notre Dame, I believe, in the fifth round. Their offensive line doesn't get any sort of push at all. Mm-mm. Like they don't generate. This any isn't type of that movement. like. This isn't that like first year McVay offensive line where they were loaded. No, no, like no, those no. guys have rotated out of here now. It's a the Super big Bowl problem. is painful to watch. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm absolutely worried about the Rams. KP, what team are you totally selling this season? Want nothing to do with Dallas, and oh, so. Last year, everybody always talks about the turnovers. Uh, they had the six easiest schedule. Look at the quarterbacks that they played last year. That has something to do with the turnovers. So pair those two together, and then you look at what they did with those turnovers. Like Dak was nuclear off the turnover. Like they were essentially going to score points if they got the ball back. That's not going to happen this year because they're not going to have a turnover every freaking possession or every, every half, I should say. So, um, I mean – the regression just makes too much sense and not just offensively or not offensively, but defensively. And it's going to boil over into the offense. And then you have to worry about, you know, the health of the offensive line. We talked about um, Ronnie Stanley. Tyron Smith is in, I imagine way worse, in my opinion, way worse condition than Ronnie Stanley. So you have to worry about that. You have to worry about, you know, the wide receivers gelling, um, what missing Amari is going to do to the offense. What happens if a team says, hey, I'm going to double CD on this down. You do something about it. They can't do anything. Let's say they can't do anything. What, like how I'm essentially betting against the offensive staff making the adjustments, and I'm betting against um, the turnovers that they're going to be gifted. So I I just don't see it with Dallas. This, if we were, If I were a betting man, it would be an easy under for me. I, I don't know that they make the playoffs. I have two things. One, say his name. Nope. Trayvon, not giving Trayvon you that. Diggs. Trayvon not, Diggs. Not. It's Trayvon Diggs. That, that's the turnover regression. He has a name. Two, are you in on the Eagles then? Because if the Cowboys don't make the playoffs, who is? Because I don't think it's the football team. Yeah. The commanders. They, I, forgot, I keep forgetting they changed their name. And then I don't think it's the Giants either. So it has it's, to be the Eagles. I am in on the Eagles. I didn't pick them as one of my teams because I'm not that in on them, but I, I'm the most right. in on them of any team in the NFC East. I think by process of elimination, we have to be, right? 
Is that's what it comes down to? Because like I want to watch, I want to like the Giants so bad, but I mean, I'm not gonna put my chips on Daniel Jones. Um, I same with like I just talked about picking the Colts because of Carson Wentz is not on the roster anymore, so it can't be the Commanders. The Eagles, I think, are going to be really good on defense. I think they're going to have a style of play. Uh, that will allow the offense not to feel pressure to score 20 some, you know, 24, 25, 27 points, whatever it may be. Um, we have to see. Their D line is legit three deep, which is crazy. Like, no one has more defensive line depth than the Eagles in the league. Wasn't Milton Williams really good? I feel like. Yeah, I really like Milton Williams. And now he's like their like, fifth defensive tackle. And yeah. I'm like, this is <laughs> yeah. unfair, right? Like they're gonna like block punts and like block kicks and stuff just because of how good their D line is. That's absurd. Yeah, I, I think you got to be in on the Eagles, and I, I agree with you. I, I don't think the Cowboys did anything to get drastically better, and it, it feels like the the window on that kind of total roster construction may be closed. But you still have studs and you know Dak and CD and Micah Parsons that you can build around for the future, but it feels like that offensive line's kind of aging out now. And that was always the cornerstone of this Dallas team. So, and now there's a rookie at left guard. Yeah. Just, just not a lot of faith in the Dallas Cowboys headed into the season. Uh, my team to wrap it up is the Carolina Panthers. And this isn't to say that I think the Carolina Panthers are going to be a good football team. I think they are going to be a bad football team. I want to make that clear, but Right now on the DraftKings Sportsbook, they have the sixth lowest odds to have the worst record in the NFL. And I think they need to be higher than that. Like, I I think that the Carolina Panthers should legitimately be in contention for the worst record in football this upcoming season. And I feel like we haven't talked enough about that. And, you know, Baker Mayfield's going to be the starter, but I just think that that whole thing with Matt Rule and everything that's gone on there, like they just got to blow it up. You got to move on from Baker. You got to move on from Sam Darnold. It's just a mess. And I know they still have some playmakers on that defense. They've got some young guys like JC Horn that we really like. And Brian Burns is a stud, but I just don't have any faith in them. And then, you know, when you talk about offense, Baker might be better than Sam Darnold, but it's not that hard to be better than Sam Darnold is. And I think their offensive line's bad. I don't trust Christian McCaffrey to stay healthy. It's just all bad in Carolina. And I think they should be looked at like they are going to be one of the absolute worst teams in football. My favorite part when Carolina named Baker the starting quarterback. Massive upgrade over Sam Darnold. See, I told you he was going to win. Why are we celebrating this? What are we doing here? Is that the expectation? Did you win the Super Bowl? Did you win your Super Bowl because Baker won the starting quarterback gig? Over Sam Darnold, man, that is terrifying. So we expect the left tackle, their first round left tackle, to be good. But generally speaking, like it's probably going to take a year. Um, we had some outliers in recent years, but I mean, if you just look across the team, the talent outside of some, like I, I think the world of JC Horn. I think he's going to be incredibly good. Name another player on their defense that you you could take away and come away thinking. You know what? He's going to be an impact player. Um, Burns outside of Burns, else? I was going to say yeah. Burns yeah. is the big one, but outside of that, that's it. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, they only had what was it? One pick in the first like hundred something picks in the draft. It's Icky. Have you guys seen the snaps of Icky this preseason? No, oh, has it not been great? It's not good, dude. I he should probably move to guard. Damn. But then you drafted a guard sixth overall. I think he'd be really good at guard, but they're just like doing this experiment with with him, experiment with him at left tackle. And I don't know if Icky at left tackle, Baker Mayfield at quarterback, and JC Horn coming back is enough. Because that's basically all they've done this offseason. This just kind of feels like a lame duck year, and they're going to move on from their head coach next offseason. They have some incredibly explosive wide receivers, and their ceiling is so much lower with Baker under center, man. Like you just yeah. you can't stretch the field. Stefanski wanted to stretch the field last year with the Browns, and he couldn't because Baker couldn't get the ball outside of the hashes and down the field. We got to place bets. Who, which player on the Panthers' father takes it to Facebook first this year? <laughs> Is it Robbie? Robbie? Is right? it DJ Moore? The wild card, Christian McCaffrey. Ah, you don't think Ed has some takes? Ed, you don't think Ed's fed up? 
I think is I think doesn't Ed McCaffrey do radio? <laughs> so I don't know. I, he was coaching just some an entire podcast on how Baker's missing his say, son. I feel like maybe he did radio at some point. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I was gonna say it's got to be him if he's on the radio somewhere. You know, he's got hot takes. He's the head coach of the Northern Colorado Bears. Okay. How do you think Richard Higgins feels about this? Let's talk about that because he probably came here to get away from Baker. He thought he was free. And here he is, tied He's to being Baker haunted. Once again. Yeah, man. <laughs> what did he do to deserve this? Yeah, I hadn't even considered that. I do feel bad for him now. Um, well, hey, I mean, you guys know who the OC is, right? They got a genius at OC. Ben McAdoo, baby. Ben oh, McAdoo. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah, that was Matt Rule blew up his offensive coaching staff to bring in Ben McAdoo because that was going to be the difference maker um, this season for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, yeah, it's just it's the, the Panthers and we haven't spent enough time paying attention to them and deservedly so because it's the Panthers. But I just think we should talk about them the way we're talking about teams like the Seahawks and the Bears a little bit more than we are. Like, I, I think they are going to be in contention for that worst team in the NFL. So that's why I'm selling them. It's not because I had any faith that they'd actually be good. I just think that they should be talked about as one of the worst teams in football um, moving forward, at least as we get close to the regular season. But thank you guys for listening to this edition of NFL University. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we have on Apple and Spotify at the SB Nation NFL Show. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We will talk to you guys next week. Thank you.